Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. A planner, when they're evaluating your situation, they're looking at everything through the eyes of taxes. So how you're saving, how you're spending, how you're paying back debt. It's all through the eyes of taxes long-term because we want to bring down the amount you're paying in taxes long-term. And so a CPA is really good at that year planning, whereas the planner is good for the long-term planning strategy. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Ryan DeRousseau, who's a certified financial planner on the podcast. I mentioned this in my conversation with Ryan, but I have been approached by many financial planners over you know the last few years of doing this work who want to connect with folks who listen to this podcast and you know the folks that I serve. I've said no to everybody up to this point until Ryan. The reason that I'm excited to have Ryan on this podcast today is that he is a fee-only financial planner, which is a big deal. And we're going to talk about that more in the podcast. Like why, what is the value of fee-only versus other more traditional models of how folks get paid for financial planning? Um, but he also specializes in working with therapists and private practitioners, which is really rare. <laughs> So uh, you pay Ryan out of pocket and he specializes in serving us, the folks who, uh, you know, serve other people, uh, the helpers in the world. And his goal is to help people like us thrive financially so we can focus on our clients. Today in our conversation, Ryan and I talk about understanding more about that fee-for-service model of financial planning versus how people usually get paid, like why you should look for a fee-only financial planner. This is something that I'm really passionate about, so really great to talk with Ryan about this today. Uh, we talk about some tax strategies and some interesting little uh, tricks in your business uh, that might already apply to you, like you might already be in a position to be able to use some of these things to save you money on taxes. We also talked about succession planning and thinking about actually setting up your business so you could sell it, even as a private practitioner, like a solo practitioner, which is a new idea to me, but I'm really into it. 
So we cover a lot of ground today using that big picture financial thinking that Ryan has as a certified financial planner. And I think it was really the value of having a certified financial planner in your life, which is somebody who can look at your personal finances, not from the perspective of today or this month or this year, but they're thinking 30, 40 years for you and helping you bring that into the way that you're planning your money. Here is my conversation with Ryan DeRousseau. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you here, uh, Ryan, because you are the first certified financial planner that we've had on the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. Oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm not surprised. Uh, one thing, <laughs> one thing, when I was looking at like, because basically I was a writer for many, many years, and uh, I covered financial planners, I covered personal finance topics, and I was self-employed. And so when I was making the switch, just because I wanted to work with people one-on-one, a group that was self-employed, that I saw there was not nearly as much people helping them and guiding them on the financial track were, were therapists. And I like working with therapists. I think they're great people. They do great work. And so um, I have a therapist. So I am very much in line with that. And so it just, it, it stood out to me as sort of a special. There's kind of a gap there, right? Like there's a lot of financial planners for doctors, for instance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they get a lot of attention. Everyone's going for doctors. Everybody wants doctors, which makes sense because doctors, you know, can have a very, very, very high income. They've got a lot of money to work with, which is kind of fun too, I would assume as a financial planner, like you get to do all sorts of cool tax strategy and stuff like that. But yeah, therapists are certainly underserved and we very much need the kinds of supports that you uh, are giving to folks um, with this long-term financial planning. That's great to hear. I'll give a quick plug in terms of look for a fee-only advisor. Yes, thank you. We have developed new ways for people to pay. So it's not like doctors are not the only ones who get surfaced now. All sorts of people get surfaced yes. now. And so. I, let's pause on that for a second because this is something actually, Ryan, like in terms of putting folks in front of, of our audience, right? Our Money Skills for Therapists audience who are listening, who are on Instagram. I've been approached by many financial planners, I will tell you, over the years mm-hmm. who want sure. to you know, be connected with the folks who are here for these conversations. And the reason I say no is because they're not fee-for-service. And I feel really strongly about this. Let's talk just a little bit more about the difference between fee-for-service and what you were referring to of like why folks want to work with doctors. Sure, yeah, you yeah. You have to explain the difference in, in how you get paid. Absolutely. And this is one of the first things, like when I covered financial planners, this is one of the first things I learned. And so as I, my entire like writing career, I would only speak to fee fee mm-hmm. only or yes. fee-for-service advisors because they're the, basically the ones you can trust where they're advice is aligned with you because what you have are three different options, uh, fee only, fee based and commission and commission and fee based. What they're doing when they're providing you advice is they're also getting commissions on the side from a life insurance agency, Mm -hmm. a mutual fund company or some other service. And so when they're saying, hey, you should put your money into this X mutual fund. Well, is that the right mutual fund? Or is that the mutual fund that's kind of works for you, but also pays them really well. And my first experience was this was personal. Like my wife's father had a financial planner for 20, 30 years. He sent us to the financial planner and, you know, we, he whined and dined us and we we're like, how is he getting paid for this? <laughs> right. it, 
it wasn't a couple of years later till I learned about this stuff and I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's how he's getting paid. He's in a mutual fund that's not growing at all, but paying him every single time we put money into mm-hmm. that account. Yes. And so that personal experience really kind of lit a fire under me as well. Yeah. It's going to be hard for somebody to give you the best advice for you when they're also thinking about their own paycheck. And this mutual fund here is going to pay them a bunch of money. And this one over here that actually might be more appropriate for you, they don't get as much money from. Like It puts their financial interests and your financial interests in conflict. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Said better than me. (laughs) (laughs) So fee for service then. Tell us, like, what does that model look like? How is that different? So yeah, so I only get paid by my clients. They come to me and, you know, there's three different ways I tend to work with them. They might need a specific plan for something. They're going through something or they're DIYer who likes to do it themselves. And so we just basically, we have an hourly rate. How long is the plan going to be? Okay, here's the plan. Here's how to get started. They're off on their own. Mm -hmm. They, They go do it. You know, what we found was people are hesitant to go off on their own. So like, let's say you're opening a solo 401k. If you've never done that, mm-hmm. are you clicking the right button? You know, mm-hmm. when I first did it, the experience was, I hope this is right, right. <laughs> uh, yes. type of, uh, yes. of experience. And so what we did is we created a sub- subscription model. And so essentially we take the cost of the financial plan, divide by 12. And so you have access to me every quarter where we're going through a portion of the plan and whatnot. And that helps also because life changes, things change, inflation changes, laws change, that sort of thing. And then if you're, you know, a little further along in your journey and you have assets that you want someone else to manage, then there's also the asset under management uh, strategy, which is, you know, we're we're investing for you. Uh, We do broad-based index funds. It's not like... um, Yeah you know, we're picking stocks or anything like that. And then you you pay via the portfolio. Right. And with assets under management, basically it's like, if I have a bunch of money invested with you, if the money does well, I do well and you do well, right? Like we're- Somewhat, yeah. And, and you know, like I always, uh, this is a probably something to talk about with your audience, just because uh, a lot of people look at investing as like returns and mm. gains. Like how much mm. am I getting back and how much am I losing? A financial planner who's worth his salt or her salt is really not looking at gains and losses in the short term. What they're looking at is, are you invested in a way that matches uh, your risk willingness or risk tolerance? Yes. So essentially, if the market drops, are you going to sell everything and hide under the couch? Or are you going to keep it steady? Because we mm-hmm. want to keep it steady. This is a long-term mm-hmm. plan. It's not a mm-hmm. short-term plan. We're worried about that and your time horizon or when you actually need that money. And so this is the value of index funds is because we can really figure out sort of your risk tolerance, determine how much risk you need to be exposed to via the index funds, and then plan that over time. And so that's really how we invest, even if you know we're investing for you. Um, but that gains and losses type thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If it goes up, yeah, I'm going to make a little yeah. bit more yeah. money in that case. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, what you're mentioning here is such an important quality that folks who do the work that you do can bring to somebody's life, which is that long-term perspective. Yes. Yeah. Right. Cause I think, I think too, there still is so much of this kind of like get rich quick narrative around business in general, you know, money in general. And like we, you know, can be trained to think short-term and think like, oh, things are really good. Things are really bad, right? Mm -hmm. But someone with your training knows that it's about decades. 
right? Not about a week or a year even. Yeah. And I mean, that's also, you know, when we're talking about like the therapy business, right? You know, we get very excited when we're like, oh, things are going really, really well. Yes. I think I'm going to hire my first uh, employee Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, you know, maybe buy a spot as opposed to rent a spot and, and things of that nature. And that's all well and good. These are all things like we want our clients to do eventually do, but we're also looking at it with that sort of broader look, like what are the protections in case you buy that and suddenly you lose like 10% of your clients and then what? Yes. Or you hire that person and well, they, they're not performing like they should and business is slower, then what? So we're worried about all the ifs, ends, and buts of mm-hmm. life, essentially. Yes. Okay. And, you know, related to that, I know that there's this, this term, which is probably not going to be familiar to folks who are listening, which is this idea of backstops. Um, backstops in your money. Can you explain to folks listening what a backstop is? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not a technical term, but I, I feel like it's a term that's really started to pop up as sort of a way to just uh, a synonym for uh, buffer. You know? Okay. Because okay. Uh, yes. so no, we love uh, you know marketing like lingo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. got to make it slightly different. <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's really stand out. Yeah. But uh, the, yeah. So the backstop or buffer is really sort of how you protect your business. As we're building that business, we want to make sure that uh, we're putting layers in place. So we never feel that like real anxiety mm-hmm. when you're first starting out um, because just we want to go forward. We don't want to go backwards. And that's really where the buff- buffer or backstop is. And so this can take shape in many different ways, you know, for a business owner, I'm always talking about them building not just a, an emergency fund for their family finances, but emergency fund for their business. And people are like, oh, I don't want to just have cash sitting in there in an account. But what that does is it really provides that, you know, like serum of anxiety reducer serum mm, uh, when yeah. things are going not quite right. But it also like tells you when you can expand. So when someone's like first starting out, what I'm telling them is sort of look at your expenses as on the personal side, right? How many, how much expenses do you need to have or do you need to cover from your business every month? That's your salary. You may be a business owner, but you're getting a salary just like everyone else. Yes. And yes. you don't pay yourself more than that just because you did really good one month. You instead keep that salary the same. And as that, as you do well, you're building that emergency fund with that extra money. And that's how you build the emergency fund on the business side. And then on the personal side, most people know they need to have three to six months um, of expenses. And I say that for business owners because you don't want the need to fix a roof to impact your business. You you don't want a water heater to determine, Mm, to change the fact that how you view your business. Hmm. Like it may... Like you may need a new water heater and suddenly you might have felt great about your business and now you're not. And you don't want that because that makes bad decisions. Um, right. So that's kind of what the backstops is, is always having yes. sort of protections in place. Yeah. And I love that looking at the relationship between those two things, because I think, first of all, for lots of folks, there there's such blurriness between those things, right? It's kind of like they're, they're not doing the regular salary. I'm like such a fan of the regular salary. I love that you said that. And that's something that I teach in my course. That's that's where one of the things we do at the end is like set your regular paycheck, have that buffer so you can be taking time off and you're not getting punished because you took vacation. You don't need Vacation's a smaller paycheck because yeah. you went away, right? Like yeah. that, that doesn't make any sense. No employer could get away with doing that to you if you're a salaried employee. But also what I'm hearing here is, 
by creating buffers or, or backstops in both places, you protect both of those things. You protect your business and you protect your home by creating stability in both places. Absolutely. Right. Then, then a personal problem, personal financial problem doesn't end up impacting the business because you have to like clean money out of the business or you're just like super financially stressed, which shows up like that affects the way you can show up for your clients or the decisions you're going to make in your business. You know, somebody might call who is not a good fit for you, but you're feeling really financially stressed by this water heater you need to replace at home that you don't have money for. So you're going to say yes to somebody who's actually going to not be a fit and make your clinical work really difficult and make you feel incompetent as a therapist because it's not the work that you do, right? There's all these like knock-on effects that can happen when we don't have that stability. Absolutely. And, you know, it could like hit the fees you're charging because you're like, oh, well, I lost a client. Now I, I need to get that other client back and I'm going to char- I'm going to charge them half the price just right right and then what's that do long term you have a number of clients that are paying half your rate and you don't want you don't want that no 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 yeah stress stress and desperation does not lead to strategic decisions absolutely that's for yeah. sure yeah so another thing that I would love to ask you about is something that I don't teach or touch at all which is like tax strategy. Sure. I, I feel like for the therapist brain where this is, you know, the therapist and health practitioners where this is not the world that we live in, I feel like there's this like complex web of rules. I'm almost picturing like in a beautiful mind, there's all these like, you know, equations running everywhere that is kind of like the world of taxes and and making sense of it and plugging in. And something that you do as a certified financial planner is help folks understand strategic tax moves to make. So I'm curious, like what are some of the moves that you suggest that people make regularly to your clients to help them create stability and flexibility and all those good things. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. This is where the caveats come in. I'm yes, not a CPA. They're not a CPA. Yes. What I do is I look basically a planner when they're evaluating your situation, they're looking every at everything through the eyes of taxes. So how you're saving, how you're spending, how you're paying back debt. It's all through the eyes of taxes long-term because we want to bring down the amount you're paying in taxes long-term. And so a CPA is really good at that year planning, whereas the planner is good for the long-term planning strategy. And so from a long-term planning strategy perspective, uh, a few things I would say. One, so a lot of people think that like you get a business and in the therapy world, you have to have a business. So this is not like new. You have probably an LLC, a PLLC or an S-Corp of some sort, but just jumping into the S-Corp or jumping into the LLC is something that you need to consider, not because those tools inherently have tax differences, but what you can do with those tools are different from a tax perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when you're starting out, it may make sense to be more like an LLC just because you may be losing money in your business Mm -hmm. for the first year, even Mm -hmm. because you're Mm -hmm. investing, investing a lot and clients are only starting to come in, that sort of thing. And from a tax perspective, one thing to think about is that's okay. <laughs> yes. Because yes. if you're losing money, guess what you get to tell the IRS? I've made no money. And so <laughs> yeah. I don't pay any taxes. <laughs> and sure. so so that's fine. And but the LLC allows you to kind of bring that money, those losses directly to uh your personal because it's mm-hmm. a pass-through entity yes. like yes. that. And so let's say you have a spouse and they're they have a good income, and so right. you're using that income to well, the LLC might be able to impact the overall family income. So the family as a whole is now paying less in taxes. Mm. The first thing I would say is 
determine it, like look at your business for what it is right now, not where you want it to be, yes. but what it is right now, because you may be able to just get tax gains from that or mm-hmm. protection from that. And then the, you know, the other thing that I would say from a tax perspective, and I I always like to liken retirement as this like, it's like this uh secondary income stream, this mm-hmm. passive income stream that yeah. people kind of forget about. And, you know, when we're talking about backstops earlier, that's really what retirement planning is. Because, you know, if you're putting $10,000 a year, let's say, into a retirement account, and that's growing 7%, and after 10 years, you have, let's say, this is total BS math, but let's just say, yeah, Yeah. $150,000, let's just say, well, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable in your business if you Mm -hmm. know you have $150,000 sitting there protecting you long term. And meanwhile, the beauty of those is if you have the right tax plan, and you're putting that money into, you know, a solo 401k, a SEP IRA, uh, especially if your income's a little lower, so you're not Mm -hmm. taking I don't want to get into like Roth versus IRA, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. as long yeah. as you're as long as you're putting that into a vehicle that's reducing your taxes now, well, you now reduced your tax impact by ten thousand dollars a year, and that you know is the number then that gets evaluated by the IRS. Right. So yes, right, and then from that you would not be paying taxes on that money, and there's exactly. money that's going to be coming back to you. Right. So there's kind of like this, this might not be the right language, but I know at, at a higher level of finances, you can kind of build like a machine or an engine where it's like, I do this and I get this benefit, but then I also get this thing back. I get cash back. And then I get to think about what I want to do with that cash that I get back. Do I invest it again? Do I do something else with it? You're you're starting to get the rules working for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what the planning process is, is putting all those like engines yes. kind of in place. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of stuff like that, like, uh, like more advanced business owners with kids. Like you can actually give your kid a job and mm-hmm. pay them a minimum wage. It has to be a legit job. Mm-hmm. But now you have passed on that money that you were making that you were going to give your kid anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. Personal, and they pay yeah. a much lower tax mm-hmm. if even if they get past the standard deduction. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's all the business expenses. And you know, we can talk about business expenses, but there's sure. tons of business expenses that are yeah. legitimate that you need to spend that you get a nice little break from. And yes. so, you know, not avoiding those, like embracing those is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a lot of folks listening, the first step would be just starting to learn what those are, right? Like yeah. knowledge is power. Start to learn what are your options. And there might be things that, you know, you already have a one of your children is helping you already cleaning your office or like helping you with filing or something like that, that you could legitimately be paying them for that work rather than giving them allowance later after you've already paid taxes on that money. Absolutely. I mean, I have a seven-year-old and mm-hmm. he's not, he he's not capable of helping yeah. me right now. <laughs> but as soon as he is capable, I like, yes. I'm going to put him to work because one, he needs to learn a little bit of the value of a dollar. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Because the money goes into his hands and out. But yeah, like I'm sure plenty of listeners have older, like I, you know, back when I was a writer, I knew a writer who's like, she is a profound writer. Like she's written best-selling mm. uh, books and whatnot. Yeah. She, she, when she does work for clients, she'll have her 19 year old kid just do the first run at the block, you mm. know, and she pays the 19 year old that, mm. and the 19 year old knows exactly how she wants it. And so, right. Hey, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. you don't have to hire that workforce. Yeah. So, and with that, I, I don't know if this is a question that would be different in different states, but like, is there a minimum age for paying your own child? 
it has to be legitimate. Like you don't want, they can't be seven. Yeah. I mean, if, if my kid could truly file and like (laughs) be effective at it, sure. Yeah. My kid's not there yet. Okay. So there isn't actually like an age, but it has to be reasonable. I can't, I can't be saying that my four and a half year old is like mapping out my social media. That's obviously not realistic. Exactly. Yes. But like, you know, there's been cases, I just know that there's been cases where business owners paid their kids like a lot of money for technical help because the kid understood computers and Mm -hmm. uh, was a whiz at it. Mm -hmm. And the case would go to the Supreme Court even. And they would say, Hey, I mean, this kid is as legit as an employee as you can find. And it was, it was deemed to be okay. Yeah. So yes, yes. it does have to be legit. I'm Canadian and in Canada too, like they're, they really cracked down a couple of years ago on income sprinkling. So making sure that, you know, we, I have a corporation that if you have anybody working for you, they have to be doing legitimate work. Like you have to show some sort of record or evidence they're doing real work. And my spouse does work for me. He does our tech and he does payment stuff. And he does, he just filled out a form for us for the IRS that we had to do. Yeah. Another team member brought it. And I was like, oh, that's a Rodrigo job. If it's bureaucracy, that's our man. (laughs) And I got a call from, you know, the Canadian revenue agency, the CRA saying like, you need to, what does he do? Like, you need to prove to me that he's doing the right things. And I was like, oh, he does things I literally don't even know how to do. Like, it's so legit, but it needs to be legit. It does. And you need to have records. Because you do need to be able to answer those questions on that phone call to make it really clear that this person's doing real work for you. Yeah. And yeah. the records, the bookkeeping has yes. to be. Yes. Yeah. But those um, are more advanced strategies. Yeah, they I mean, are. They are. Reality, yes, yes, yes. But, yeah. um, but a great example of some of the things that maybe folks haven't thought of that might already apply to them, those who are listening. This zoomed out perspective then that you have as a, you know, a financial planner is so valuable for therapists because I think so often we're in kind of just like the week to week, month to month, year to year. So what is the importance of thinking about the business like really long-term and how long-term should we even be thinking about our businesses? Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, kind of the unique aspect of planning is because we are not just evaluating your finances today. We're evaluating it 20, 30 years down the line. Right. We're evaluating it for when, if you were not here, like what's going to yes. happen yes. to the, the money and whatnot. And so we see the full picture. And also because of what I do, I talk to people who are in an early stage business, but I also talk to people who are late stage. And therapy is kind of unique in that I talk to people who want to retire by 55. And I talk to people who never want to retire as long as they can move. And because of that, uh, what I see is two issues. One, the lack of retirement planning, as we kind of discussed already. And then the the second one is a lack of secession plan. And I think this is because there's a lot of you know, private practices, one person, private practice groups or practices out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can't imagine the practice working without them. And that's fine. There are certain people who could never work with an individual. And so you have to counter that in the planning process. But I also encourage therapists to kind of think about their business long-term as in terms of what if there was someone to buy that? Because Let's say there's someone willing to buy your practice for $200,000, you know, 10 years from now. That could be the difference between you having a comfortable retirement and you having Ooh. a very uncomfortable retirement. Truly. Um hmm. and so that $200,000 can be gigantic. But yeah. It's not like a short-term thing, right? No. You have to build the business to be sold. Yes. It can't just be 
Lindsay Bonham LCS, you know, yeah. it has to be a, some, a name and it has to be some uh, marketing behind it. Maybe there's a partner, mm-hmm. maybe there's not, but you just have to have something. And I also encourage people to think like this because, you know, they're just like demographically in the United States, I think Canada as well, there is a massive shift in terms of like workers right now, where there's like an older workforce that is moving out yeah. and a very young workforce, yes. huge workforce moving in. And so you have a mix of sellers and mix of buyers. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's a really good time to kind of think about that because you need to treat your asset like an asset, the one that you've been building for 20, 30, 40 years, let's say by the time you're ready to sell. And there is a group of young, eager therapists who you can mentor and guide and help them Mm -hmm. kind of work with uh, patients like you work with your clients Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and therefore your sort of like skills and and knowledge kind of move on that way. And do you see that mostly being something that makes sense for folks who have group practices, like where you're also, you know, you're selling a business where there's other service providing, or do you also see that as being possible for solo practitioners? Yeah. So I think it's possible. Like, again, I'm not a lawyer and I just see the long-term impact of people and I can guide them and sort of how I view uh, a business sell. But I believe that a lot of solo practitioners could position their business to be sold. Take it, mm-hmm. take it this way. Mm-hmm. Say you are 10, 15 years from wanting to retire. Okay. And you realize you're 10, 15 years away and you've worked by yourself for this entire time, but you have built a brand. It's not just your name uh, attached to some, some letters and you have been marketing that brand. And so what you're doing is building a system to create like new clients. Okay. So now that you're 10, 15 years out, your things are going well. Let's say you, you hire someone to like one person, just one person. Mm -hmm. And you don't look at this person. You look at them as an employee at first, but you also look at this person who could potentially replace you down the line. Yeah. Exactly. And there are ways to build partnerships in in a sense that like there, there are buy sell agreements where you can set up the, the sell agreement long before you're ready to sell. So you are selling the business at a time where you're not being rushed to the hospital or no longer there. Right. forbid. Yes. And meanwhile, you can structure the payment where the business is being used for the the new partner to pay you Mm -hmm. for the business. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, Hmm. like there's some great ways where even if you're willing to like create some marketing around it and really build a brand and add that little mentorship aspect, you could, is very, very possible. And if you need a coach for marketing, you know, there are plenty of coaches out there as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, certainly. That's such an interesting idea and such a, I think an untapped financial opportunity, Ryan. And like, and what I'm hearing with that is that's not something you can just decide to do because you're 70 and you're like, whoa, I'm like beyond done, right? This is something you start to think about 15 years out, 10 years out. And that's where you could, if you are working under your own name, you can shift to a a company name instead, start marketing the brand instead of yourself, bring in a partner. Like this is like long, a long-term strategy, but what I'm hearing is it could be a very, very fruitful strategy, which could have a huge impact on your retirement. And now- you know, there are more buyers out there as well because there's tech companies getting into this space yes. and they may yes. want your practice just for the clients. And so it, it does create opportunity, but it is a long-term thing. And I think honestly, when someone gets 25 years in, I think it's an invigorating thing. 
because you need mm-hmm. a change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need to kind yeah. of spice it up. Yes. And then my wife had a therapist who passed away and it took her three mm-hmm. years to find the other, her next yeah. therapist. Oh, totally. And yeah. this is a way to yes. help your clients as you're thinking mm-hmm. of moving away as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for Absolutely. coming on the podcast Anytime. today. Always um, willing to talk about money. Me too. Me too. Um, for folks who are listening, um, if they would like to find you, get further into your world, where can they find you? Sure. So I uh, work for United Financial Planning Group. I'm a, a planner there, uh, but I actually have a personal site called thinkingcapfinancial.com. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you want to go to thinkingcapfinancial.com slash checklist, I'm sure mm-hmm. you can put it in the show notes, hopefully, yep. you know, just leave an email and I'll, I will send you a checklist of things that a therapy owner should know, should do from a financial standpoint. And by doing this, I mean, it'll put you 90% ahead of the game. Yeah. And Ryan, are you personally able to work with folks anywhere in the United States? Is there a certain state? Like what, who can you work with? I can work with anyone in the United States. If there is a state that I am not able to work with, I will file the one form to then work sure, with the yeah. state. There's like you'll, th- you'll do the one piece of paper. Yes, there's cool, like cool. three or four states out there. Right? It's a it's a handful, Perfect. but otherwise I can yeah, work it. Awesome. Anywhere. Great. So uh we're gonna put that link in the show notes. So if you want that checklist from Ryan, you can go over to the show notes and we'll have the link there. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan. Thanks again. My conversation with Ryan really brings me back to once again, just reminding myself, reconnecting with how important strategy is when it comes to money. It's so easy for us to be in that again, day to day, week to week, month to month. This was a good week. This was a bad week. This is a good month. Like, But money builds up over time and the decisions that we make when we find the right strategic decisions for ourselves, whether it's a sustainable amount that we can set aside every month for retirement, putting into the right kind of account that makes sense for our financial situation, whether it's like some of the little strategies we talked about, like actually paying your kid who already is actually helping you in your business to do you know work for you, paying them in a way that's going to save your money, your family taxes or having the right tax structure that's going to save your family money and then putting those things into investment towards the future. Like those moves that you make on really like a monthly basis is how I think about those add up over not just like tens or, you know, dozens of weeks, but hundreds of weeks that you're going to be working and thousands of weeks actually, and will eventually turn into a big financial result at the end of your career. Uh, But this suggestion that he had too around succession planning, like kind of blew my mind a little bit in terms of a private practice and like, yeah, you have built a valuable asset. So how can you 10 or 15 years before you're ready to stop working, set yourself up to actually get some money back from all of the work that you've done, building a reputation, building a way of serving clients that people love. How can you actually turn that into something that can benefit you financially, help you create more financial stability at the end of your life, but also ensure some continuity for your clients when you're coming into retirement years and set up a new practitioner, a young practitioner to thrive from the beginning of their career by letting them buy your business and do work in the great way that you do work. Take on a style that's like your style so that your clients have that continuity of care. A young clinician gets a a thriving practice from the start and you 
uh, have more money to have stability and comfort in retirement. Very smart, very strategic. Uh, really enjoyed my conversation with Ryan today. You can follow me on Instagram at money nuts and bolts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take two minutes, two minutes to head over to Apple podcast and leave a review. It is the best way for other therapists and health practitioners to find us and be part of these conversations. Thanks for listening today.